Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall. Bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. to the Watchmen. I'm Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. What an amazing moment in the history of the world. We've been saying it for a number of years now, and it truly is. We have front row seats to end time Bible prophecy being fulfilled, unveiled, laid forth. And we who have any sense of interpretation as to what's going on in the world today are very fortunate. I also want to encourage believers all over the world that We are reminded in Scripture, we are instructed in the Word of God to keep our focus on above things. Uh, There is a beautiful balance to this reality. The above things that you and I are called to are extremely important, and we desire to make sure that we're doing exactly that. So uh, we want to welcome everybody into the broadcast. We're going to talk about definitely 9-11-2001, 20 years later. Uh, the big question is going to be, of course, where were you on 9-10-2001, and where were you on 9-11-2001? We're going to tell a little bit of our story as we get involved. But again, I want to remind our listeners today of a spiritual nugget, okay? Well, this is a nugget. 
it's something that's been in our spirit. We've been hearing it all around us. We were actually uh, talking about it last night with our uh, brother and sister from South Dakota, Pastor David and Victoria. Uh, we had dinner last night together, and this came up in Dave's conversation, and uh, just a resonation of what God is doing. And I want to share it with you. It's out of Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to pick it up in verse Oh, let's go to verse 17. Um, I'm going to pick it up in verse 15. So just write this down. This is key. This is critical to your life as a true believer in Jesus Christ, as one who truly believes and has faith that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're going to talk about that. And I want this to shift our thinking and then, of course, we're going to talk about things going on in this horizontal world in which we live, okay? But vertically, first of all, listen to the prayer of the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, and let us place ourselves there as well. And by the way, before going on any further, I am so deeply appreciative and thankful for the conversation we had yesterday with Brian and Kathy from the mountains of Honduras uh, we have heard nothing but raving reports about their conduct, about their humility, about the deep uh, richness of Christ that was manifesting through them during the radio broadcast. I felt the same anointing, and I got off the air. The first person I heard was my dearly beloved wife, Patricia Joy, saying those are the kind of people that we want to be around. And so uh, it's just because of the deep humility that was there and then the depth of their wisdom, knowledge of Jesus Christ, uh, so refreshing, so beautiful, and this is what we believe the Spirit of God is raising up all over the world, sons and daughters who have been through the fire, who are transitioning from the earthen realm to the spiritual realm, from the physical world to the spiritual world. Uh, this is extremely important and very beautiful uh, to see that kind of deep humility. So to Brian and Kathy, God bless you, and I'm sure we're going to be hearing from them again, Lord willing, and hopefully even getting a chance to hear them minister live in one of our Feast of Tabernacle services or some other time. We're going to make room for them absolutely. All right, so Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all saints, unto all saints, wow, uh, I cease not to give thanks for you, said the Apostle Paul, to the brethren in Ephesus and what he would be saying to us today, because it's all the spirit of the Lord. You know that, and I know that's true. So he's saying, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here was the prayer. This is what the Apostle Paul, and this is where all apostolic ministry is really directed, Okay. Uh, this is the cry of the apostle's heart. If there's ever any apostolic anointing left in the earth, that apostolic anointing, that gift from God, if through whatever vessel God chooses to manifest it forth through, it will always be in this direction for the saints of God. And here's what the apostle Paul says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, we're going to get into some of this a little bit, kind of deep today, I hope so, okay? So that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. So here is the prayer 
of the apostle's heart for you and for me, okay? And here it is, that God would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want you to really write that down, get it written in the depths of your soul, the spirit of wisdom, Sophia, spiritual intelligence, and revelation, the apocalypsis, right? The unveiling, the manifestation, the revelation of what? He wants us to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, who? God the Father. God the Father. So Paul is praying that inside of us, there would be a wisdom and a revelation and understanding of the Father, okay? And then he says, not only in the knowledge of him, he said, the eyes of your understanding, not just these physical eyes here, but the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. You know, I always thought Buddha was all about enlightenment, but the word of God is very clear that there are eyes of our faith. We know that scripture talks about the eyes of our faith. In other words, seeing things beyond this sense realm. But we also have the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. Okay, so we have an aha experience. We have an awakening, an enlightenment, uh, a a revelation, an insight into the uh, introspection, into the deep things of God, right? The eyes of our understanding being enlightened. For what purpose? That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory, the riches of the glory, what is the glory of God? It's Jesus Christ. He is the epiphany. He is the manifestation of God's glory. And so the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know that's intrinsic knowledge. That's not just head knowledge, scientific knowledge. This is a deeper knowing, okay, intimacy that we may know. What is the hope of his calling, God's calling on your life, that you may understand and know it, be intimate with that calling, which is into the eternal purpose of God, into the eternal purpose of God. Ephesians chapter 3 talks all about the eternal purpose. Okay, so he wants you and I to understand. He wants us to uh, perceive, to be aware of, okay, enlightened of the hope of his calling into the eternal purpose. and what is the riches or what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, his inheritance in the saints. Do you realize that the inheritance of Jesus Christ, you know, we always talk about getting an inheritance, but he has an inheritance and his inheritance is in you. You are his inheritance. That's amazing. When you really stop and think about the mind of God, how God views man that has been redeemed by the blood has been purchased with the blood, that we are the inheritance belonging to Jesus Christ. Wow, that's amazing. And so we also want to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power. The exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Now, see, that's vertical. These, these scriptures here are vertical. This is beyond the horizontal 9-11 conversation we're going to have in just a moment, which is important. 
um, because there's more to come. We know that. These are previews. What we've seen in the last 20 years are previews of what's coming down the pike. We get that. So we're going to have to talk about it. But these thoughts that we should know the greatness of his power, the exceeding greatness of his power, that we should know it, become intimate with it, all right, the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe. So if you're a believer today, if you believe, then there is some exceeding great power that God wants you and I to become one with and to understand the greatness of this power and to be enlightened to the revelation and the wisdom and the knowledge of God himself, right? This is all vertical. And this is the power that he wrought in Christ or he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, okay? So this is the power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, verse 20, the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, he worked that mighty power in Christ when he raised him from the dead, all right? So be familiar, become acquainted with the mighty power of God that raised up Christ from the dead because that same mighty power is at work in you, and you're to understand it, and we're to get it, okay? And when he set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, that's what God did for Jesus when he rose him from the dead, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. So the mighty power of God that he wrought in Christ to bring him to the position of glory that he's in, He wants you and I to recognize that power, to become one with that power, because it's at work in us. Think about it. Think about that. That's huge. And he has what? He has given him a, uh, he's far above all principality. So all principality, Christ is far above it. He's above all power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Every name that is named, he's far above the principality and power, dominion, all these different things, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So there's another world coming, and it's the world of God's glory. And Christ is going to be the preeminent, exalted head in that world as well, as he is already in this world. But we do not yet see all things subject to him, but we will. There's no doubt about it. Hebrews chapter 2. All right. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. You're the church, the ecclesia, which is his body. We are his body. We are the bone of his bone, the flesh of his flesh. We are his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Wow. These are are deep mysteries, and we're just touching the surface of them right now. Another passage of scripture I wanted to read was out of Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul says it this way to the church at Coloss, and he says it to you and I today. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard, do not cease to pray for you. So again, more apostolic prayer on the behalf of the saints who believe in Jesus Christ. And desire that you might be filled, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So this is a maturing, is it not? A maturing and a growth in our lives to have the knowledge of his will and to have 
all wisdom and spiritual understanding, enlightenment. I love that. Isn't that, isn't that creative? Spiritually creative, right? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That's the reason. That's the purpose behind it all. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, listen to this. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us fit or meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, this, to me, is, is a tree that grows, its roots are deep, and the branches continue to branch out, and there's no end to it. This is the revelation, this is the depth of the spirit that God has called you and I into. And this is what it does mean to be born again. And I've heard people kind of ridicule and mock saying, oh, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I totally disagree. I think the more heavenly minded we are, the more earthly good we are. I think the more spiritual we become, the more powerful our witness in the earth will be. I believe that with all of my heart that God is calling us into a spiritual walk. I believe that the the flesh-natured man ridicules and mocks the spiritual development and cultivation of a born-again soul and a born-again spirit. I truly believe that God is calling us into a spirituality that far transcends anything that the New Age, metaphysics, science of mind, or any other type of uh, movement into spiritual things. And, and, I, and I was talking with Patricia about this. You know, the New Age, those in the occult, those that are in... Uh, to all of that kind of scientific, spiritual, spiritually scientific, science of mind, uh, metaphysics, um, all of these deep things, there is a very minimal validation to their pursuit for spiritual things. In this, at least they are pursuing spiritual things. Do you know that there are many people in the church today that have very little pursuit, if any, for the deep things of God, for the spiritual things of God, for the depth of God. Whereas people in the New Age, they'll spend hours in the morning with their mantras to get themselves out of their physical uh, thinking into a spiritual posture. You know, it may, it's not the right thing, but listen, the Bible talks about God, it talks about the Father, and it talks about Christ, okay? For God, the Father, and Christ, and you see that oftentimes uh, in, in the revelation of the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ. So God is what? God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God is everywhere. And people that are involved in the New Age, the occult, metaphysics, whatever, they're wanting to tap into God. Tapping into God is like digging down, if you will, into a reservoir of underground water. And once you tap into it, it's flowing everywhere. 
So God is everywhere in everything, and there are human beings that have a thirst and a desire to connect with the things of God because God is everywhere. He's every, in, in everything. He's created all things, right? So uh, what, what they're angry about is how Christians have cornered a market on God, okay, and, they, and, and they're so narrow-minded about God and, and all of that, that. So human beings just have a thirst for God, creator, universal mind, all of these things. Now, it's true that the only way to really tap into God, the reality of God, is through his son, Jesus Christ, right? That's true. You cannot come to God without going through the door because anybody that tries to climb up another way is a thief and a robber. So you have a world that doesn't want anything to do with redemption. They don't want to have their sins dealt with. They don't want to humble themselves and admit that there was one greater than them. They, like Shirley MacLaine, want to believe that they are God. And there's some truth to that. Uh, Even in the scriptures, know ye not that you are gods, but you will die like men because you're out of order. So there is a thirst in the human heart for the deep things of God, but they don't want to go through the door. And then those who have professed to go through the door of Jesus Christ are so minimal in their spiritual pursuit for heavenly things that we become earthly minded. And we cannot afford to be earthly minded. We must become spiritually minded, heavenly minded, living on earth bringing spiritual and heavenly impact to the world in which we live. That's the way it's supposed to work. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We use it. We don't abuse it. uh, And and all of these different biblical principles that we have. So what is the point? Well, the point is the deep thirst, the deep hunger for the born-again spirit is for the deep things of God. Deep cries unto deep. And so the deep things of God, spiritual things, are far transcendent, once again, of any of the highest order of earthly things. And so you and I should be spending time connecting with God. But we also have the revelation of God and the Father. So God, the creator of the universe and all things, in all dimensions of space and time, he's also become a father to his creation, his Man that he made in his image and likeness. He is what desired to father us. And he is a father to his own son, Jesus Christ, right? So we don't have just access into the, into the vibration of God and the energy of God. God is more personal in that he is a father wanting to father you and I. To instruct us, to grow us up, to take pleasure in us, delight in us. And to father his children. That is intimate. That is personal. But that can only happen again. When we come through his son, his firstborn son, the Christ, the anointed one, his anointing, the life-giving spirit that Jesus Christ is. So, you know, I just wanted to begin today with a revelation and understanding that our journey as born-again, spirit-filled believers is a spiritual journey that begins the day that we're born again. And by studying the Word of God and, and looking into the depth of the Word of God, not just the surface of the Word, As we go deeper into the word of God, there's access and entrance into the things of God. That's why it says in Romans chapter 5, we have access into this grace wherein we stand. Access has been granted. There are windows in heaven. Obviously, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There are doors in heaven. Revelation 4, a door opened in heaven. So there are windows and doors into the spiritual kingdom. You and I can access them. Both John the Apostle and Paul the Apostle accessed these doors and windows. Paul said he was caught up into the third heaven. 
And he heard things that were not permissible to speak upon earth. John obviously went into the very throne room of God. And throughout the biblical history of things, men and women were caught up into the spirit of God. I mean, Isaiah went into the throne of God. Ezekiel saw the visions of God. Uh, You know, there's so much of another dimension, another direction, a spiritual reality that does exist that one can peer into in the occult and the secrets and the spiritual realm, but never really accessing the realm of God. God, they're only accessing the pseudo kingdom, the pseudo spirit, the counterfeit kingdom, the counterfeit spirit of devils and demons. And without Jesus Christ, that's all anybody would ever encounter. But through Christ, we have access into this spiritual realm that so few are truly accessing. And those who do become less tolerable and enjoyable to mere humanity, to a fallen humanity. People that walk in the spirit are a spectacle to them. Okay, so we all, I think humanity loves supernatural things. I think there is a thirst for the supernatural And that's why when we see some phenomena, people are taking pictures of a cloud that looks like a man or something like that. Mankind is intrinsically, inwardly, deeply desiring spiritual things. I believe that. They know something that they can't really verbalize. You and I should know it beyond the shadow of a doubt. We're actually called into revelation. We're called into wisdom. We're called into spiritual understanding, enlightenment. I mean, we're called into the deep things of God, to have a relationship, to seek after God in all these things. So why is that important? Well, because it's part of our eternal reality. It's part of who we are. And we have been granted the legal right to go into the Spirit and to walk with the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to apprehend the spiritual things of God, to set our mind on things above and not on things of the earth. So our mindset should be heavenly while we're on earth and bringing heavenly things down into this earth for the glory of God. Now, what does that mean? Is it always cookies and cream and peaches and uh, stuff? No, 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 it's not always that way. Sometimes when you get a heavenly mindset, you come down with a word from the Lord that says to the earth, watch out, bad times are coming. You see that in the prophets of God all the time. The book of Revelation, John goes into heaven, but he comes down with a prophetic word of gloom and doom for the unbelieving nations of the earth. It's not all this fancy-filled, heavenly, pie-in-the-sky, let me get a word and come down and tantalize everybody's human senses. No. What you're gaining in the heavenly mindset is the will of God and the truth of God. And I think that the end of the Bible is very clear that the spirit and the bride say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let him who's with thirst come. Let him who's hungry come. You know, there's this desire for the, in the spirit of God, in the bride of Christ, there's a desire for the Lord to come. And so whatever it's going to require for him to come, there should be deep desire in the people of God for the Lord to come. Set up your millennial kingdom on this earth. Bring righteousness into the earth. The work of the ecclesia has been to be salt and light. As you know, we've been called to be salt and light, to preserve the truth of God in this earth and to be light bearers, to expose the darkness and, you know, and so much more that we've been called to do. So I want to ask you a question today. I want to ask you a question. With that in mind, okay, where you're going, all right, because we're always, in our perspective, we're never looking back 
okay, in the sense of going back uh, to the time and place before Christ, okay? We're never, that's not important. Uh, To remember things, yes, I'm going to show you in Scripture today why the apostles kept reminding the saints of God, calling them to remembrance, okay? We need to be remembering certain things. So, but our position today, as I'm sitting here, you're where you are, uh, our thought is basically where we are going. See, we're not a people that are looking back, oh, wow, our best years were back then. You know, the best times of my life were back then. Now I'm just growing old. I'm getting wrinkles and spots. And, you know, I'm kind of slowing down. And that's not our reality. Mentally, mentally, spiritually, solically, sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ, we always are looking to the forwardness. We're always looking into the future. As Jesus was on the cross, he looked beyond the cross into the glory realm, right? He saw beyond the cross to the glory that was set before him. So you and I, we know, we know that we are called into an eternal purpose, a reality that is eternal life. We have eternal life because we have received the eternal spirit because we have believed in Jesus Christ. And so our faith in Jesus Christ has opened a door to an eternal inheritance, and that inheritance is in us, and our inheritance is in God, and it's eternal spirit, eternal life, it's forward motion, it's coming to a place of having brand new bodies that can never die, never get sick, never come into sorrow or sadness or darkness of any kind. God is preparing an eternal habitation for you and I. Our spirit and soul are going to be put into a body that never grows old, never gets weak, never gets tired, never gets sad. It's just not like the one we're in right now. Amen. So God is preparing us. So we're always looking beyond the trial, beyond the testing, beyond the persecution, beyond all of our difficulties in this world. There's something of a living hope on the inside of a believer that the rest of the world cannot have. You cannot have this hope in philosophy. You cannot have this hope in religion. It's not a pure hope. But in relationship, in intimacy with God, having encountered the living God, there is a touch of God in our spirit that propels us or compels us into knowing, hey, that no matter what this is, this is only going to last for a second. It is very temporary. We have been called to the eternal. Everything on this earth is temporary. Everything is temporary. It's all going to pass away, but we are going into the eternal, and it's a glorious eternity. We would not want to spend a second in the internal hallways of damnation. Uh, Daniel said in Daniel chapter 12, some will awake to everlasting righteousness, and others will awake to everlasting shame and contempt. God forbid that you and I should awake to everlasting shame and contempt, or damnation or the worm that never dies or the eternal torment where the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest day or night. Who wants to go into that realm of eternal torment? And yet the Bible uh, insists that it does exist. The naysayers, the people who want to argue with God, let them argue with God. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to fear the Lord. And do everything I know God wants me to do so I don't ever have to go in that direction. And I know that's more than just a mere, well, I believe in Jesus. The devils believe in Jesus and they tremble. 
So I want my walk with God to be real. I want it to be sealed. I want the evidence of God in my life. In other words, I want fruit uh, in the pudding, right? Proof of the pudding is the fruit of the Spirit. So I want to make sure that the investment of my time and life that I'm giving to God is not wasted time or wasted investment. I want to be sowing into the Spirit, sowing into the kingdom, sowing into God because he's so real that I'm willing to give up my life doing what I want to do, putting my flesh on the cross daily, dying to the world, the flesh, and devils, and at at the exemption of enjoying any of their stuff uh, that would separate me from God, trusting that the things that God allows me to have and do in him are plenty. I've got enough joy. But I have something beyond this moment. I have something eternal in the heavens. And that's where we want to be. So we have to examine ourselves. We have to have inward introspection, examine, uh, you know, are we really in the faith? Are we really with God? Or are we in religion? You've probably met people along the way that thought they were totally in God, totally in love with God. But the Bible said that if you really love God, then you'll love your brother whom you see. Uh, That love is not a word, it's an action. And so you probably know people that think that they're saved. How about my own example? Before I was born again as a 19-year-old young man, I was born in the Catholic Church, St. Paul of the Cross, Jersey City, New Jersey, Italian family. I thought, because I wore the golden horn, that I was going to heaven because I was a Catholic. I mean, if you ask me if I were going to heaven, absolutely. But was I a liar, a thief, a fornicator, adulterer? Was I all those things? Yes. I was a sinner. I didn't know about Jesus Christ in an intimate, personal way. I knew him from a Catholic, religious way. But I was not going to heaven. I guarantee you the Pope did not have my back, which I thought he did. No, Jesus Christ died for my sins. I didn't know that message. And I was called to confession and repentance from all sin. And thus the journey began 39 years ago for me. So, important and now, you know, I want to I want to get into asking you some questions, okay? Um, praise God. God is so good. <clears throat> He's so good. He's so wonderful. I mean, the fact that you and I are serving the Lord in some manner, in some way, the fact that you and I are turning against the flow of our own human nature, the force of human nature. It's a powerful force. And yet the spirit of the Lord is enabling us to turn against it and go in another direction into a divine nature, right? Um, That you and I are warring against demon spirits, the accuser of the brethren, the slanderer, the hate, the enmity that is in the devil against everything called God. The fact that we're fighting and winning and we're gaining ground and we're in a battle. There's no doubt Christians all over the world are battling with demonic forces. They're battling against the flow of the world. They're battling against their own human nature. But the fact that we're even battling against it is living proof that God has done something to us. Because if it wasn't real, we'd give up. You know, what am I going to fight for this for if I don't believe it? We really do believe. We really do believe. And there's a great reward waiting for us. There's a great reward just ahead of you. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life, said the Lord. For do not fear, for the devil shall cast some of you into prison for ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. 
Do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you do not faint. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. There are many who will begin the race, but will fall out of the race and not finish the race, according to Scripture. We're to run the race that is set before us, and we are to run according to the rules of Scripture, right? I mean, in Hebrews and Corinthians, it's all there. 1 Corinthians 9.27, I believe it is. So we're all called to run the race. We have to finish the race. We are called to this. We're called to this. But at the end of the race, Paul said, I have finished the race. I have run my race. I have finished my course. I have laid my life down on the altar of sacrifice. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And as he was ready to lay his life down, he knew. There awaits me now a crown of righteousness, a crown, a victor's crown. You are an overcomer in this world. You are called by the spirit of God that dwells in you. That amazing, exceeding greatness of his power is the Holy Spirit, that you might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power in your inner man. So by the power of the spirit, you're overcoming. And as you allow yourself to follow the spirit into the victory, there's a crown waiting for you. And not only a crown, but eternal glory. And nobody, nobody can even begin. I mean, uh, you might get some chills by looking at a movie or some, some idea, but I don't think we can even begin to imagine what God has prepared for those that love him. He said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed it to us by his spirit. In other words, there's been some foretaste. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? So there's been a foretaste of what is come in our lives. Listen, we live in a volatile time right now. We live in a season of the unfolding of Bible prophecy all over the world at the same time. You heard yesterday that Joe Biden is mandating, really it was Barack Obama speaking through him uh, as a ventriloquist. Uh, and people like Barack Obama that are behind the scenes doing everything right now through the puppeteers that they have selected to be the front men for who they really are. Um, what we know is that Barack Obama, the left, the devils, the Satanists, uh, they're fast forwarding their mandate of vaccination. You saw it yesterday. Okay, you heard about it at least. The, the, this man they call the president, Joe Biden, stood up and he said, right now our patience is running thin with you 80 million Americans that have not taken the vaccination. And you are holding up the train. Now, what are they talking about? Okay, let, let me explain to you what, at least my understanding of what they're talking about. Because the question comes up, if there are 260 million vaccinated people with at least one vaccination, right? If there are 200, and there's only 80 million people that are not vaccinated, well, why do the vaccinated people care about the 80 million unvaccinated people? Okay. Why do they care? Here's why they care, as, long, as far as I understand it. Because there are global restrictions that are still on the world. Because the government of the world, Big Brother, is pretending that they really care about those 80 million people. And the rest 
of the world has been made to believe that those 80 million unvaccinated people are preventing all the restrictions of going away. And if they would just get vaccinated, the world can get back to normal again. So they're really pressing the issue because they have to protect those 80 million from hurting themselves. You know, like passing the laws of you must wear a seatbelt because big brother government, we're concerned about you dying in a car wreck. So we're going to force you to put on a seatbelt while we murder innocent babies in the womb, which is such a dichotomy. But anyways, so these little tiny laws of years ago are now showing up where Big Brother, the nanny state, is telling us that you 80 million people are in the way because as long as you remain unvaccinated, the restrictions will remain globally. So why don't you get vaccinated, cooperate with the other 260 million, just in America, by the way, and then we could go on. And so Don Lemon, note the name, Don Lemon. I don't want to go there. Don Lemon is telling everybody last night, you don't get vaccinated, you don't get on a plane. You don't go to a restaurant. You stay home. He yelled at everybody. He really did. And Joe Biden's saying, our patience is wearing thin with you people. What is this? What is this that's going on? Forced vaccinations? Now, the Attorney General, Mr. Merrick, is pursuing a lawsuit against Texas because, God forbid, they stop abortion because it's our body, our right. What was the chant? Remember, they were all crying, the women abortion. Don't tell me what to do with my body. It's my body. But when it comes to the vaccination, they don't chant that, do they? I think it's an excellent point. What is it? It's the fast forward of end time Bible prophecy accelerating at an exponential rate. And most people don't even know what to do to keep up with it. They just, they're being overwhelmed by it. It's literally flowing over people and they're coming under the darkness. They're coming under the pressure. They're literally going into this realm. And the people that are resisting or fighting now is going to come the global community against them to force them into a position of having to, because what Joe Biden said last night, if you have a business with over 100 employees, you must vaccinate. Now, the federal government, all federal employees are mandated to have a vaccination, not even a test, a weekly COVID test. Now you're vaccinated, okay? That includes the military powers, all the, our military that are connected, and all contractors that do business with the government have to be vaccinated. Hmm. Sure does sound like the mark of the beast, doesn't it? Won't be able to buy, won't be able to sell unless you take the mark. And yet I'm convinced these are previews. These are previews because the fight, remember during the Great Tribulation, the beast overcomes the saints of God? Yeah, it says it. It says literally in Revelation 13, and what that means is that the, the saints aren't going to have any power against this movement, but it says it right here. It says, in, uh, and I'll just pick it up in verse 4, Revelation 13, they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. They worship the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Uh, and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. 
power was given unto him to continue 42 months, three and a half years. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, them that dwell in heaven. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. Overall, power was given him over the saints. Wow. To make war with the saints and to overcome them. The resistance right now, and what you're seeing, say, let's say 80 million people in America and whoever else around the world are resisting the mandate, right? That just proves that we're not in the tribulation yet because there's still resistance. But the things that are coming, the war of the Antichrist against the saints will be the proof that there will be no more Republicans bringing lawsuits against, uh, you know, uh, the federal government or uh, there will be no Supreme Court that is making rules uh, against abortion. No, the Antichrist is going to beat all of that. The time will come, and you'll know when you're in the tribulation, where there's nothing you can do to stop what they are now showing you is on the way. It's going to happen when the war comes. It's going to happen when the heaven and the earth are shaken mightily by the things of, uh, of God that's going on. There's going to be a great shaking. We know that. So all of this is moving. You and I are living here. That's why it's important to have an eternal mindset. It's important to have a heavenly mindset. Remember, a heavenly mindset is not ignorance in what's going on in the world in which we live. The heavenly mindset gives us wisdom to know how to navigate in the world in which we live. And you have to be a real overcomer, one that has learned to be led by the Holy Spirit, to hear the voice of God in your spirit, in your belly, to be able to go in the days that we're going into. This is not for the weak and the timid. This moment of time is for the overcomers to navigate through. And there will be many who have honored the Lord. They're going to be kept and preserved in the time that we're in. The Bible is very clear about that. So what does this mean for us right now? Okay, 9-11-2001, does it even matter? Does it even matter? Where were you on 9-11? What did 9-11 actually mean? What's the interpretation of 9-1-1-2001? What's the interpretation of it? I want to give you an opportunity to share your thoughts about where you were maybe the day before or where you were the very morning on Tuesday, 9-11-2001, between 9 and 10 a.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time. Where were you when you first heard about the 9-11 event? <clears throat> I'll begin for those of you who don't know, I'll share my story where I was. The Monday evening on the 10th of September, I guess I'll start there. Monday evening, I was in Upland, California at Donna Bartram's Roses of Sharon Ministry with Patricia and a few friends. I was invited to speak at a meeting that night. So Monday, September 10th. We were in Upland, California. I was speaking at the conference, and I remember we drove home. It was awfully late. We got to bed late and um, woke up Tuesday morning 
woke up Tuesday morning to the news of what happened on 9-11. Now, I have to go back just a few more days to September 3rd. September 3rd, 2001. Where was I? Eight days before 9-11. I happened to be with three brothers. I had been speaking a few days earlier at a conference in Kremlin, Colorado from Bill and Marcia Burns. Uh, they had um, uh, Eagle Saints, uh, the Gathering of Eagles. I mean, Bill and Marcia Burns were big on the internet. They had these daily prophetic words through all kinds of different voices. I had been writing for a while on their website. They invited me to come and be a point man at their conferences. So I remember uh, being there that weekend and going to speak. And uh, we did that. It was a great time. And I had two brothers with me, Pastor Michael Villarin and Pastor Paul Schumann. These were both ordained pastors. And these two brothers were with me from California. We went we drove to the con a conference in Kremlin, Colorado, which is just north of uh, Vail, an hour or two hours, somewhere in that time frame, in that area. So <clears throat> Paul, Mike, and I drove through the night. We got to the con conference. I spoke. The weekend was there. Uh, we left after the conference, and we drove down to Denver, Colorado. Paul, Michael, and I driving down to see a brother, our brother John, John worked for United Airlines as a mechanic on the multi-million dollar flight simulators. And I'm sorry if you've already heard the story, uh, just for those who have not heard it. And it's just remembering this, you know, this week of where we are 20 years down the road now. So we were there September 3rd, uh, crossed in. John, <clears throat> who worked on the multi-million dollar flight simulators at United Airlines at Denver International Airport, uh, he worked the graveyard shift. And so we were there around two in the morning. And uh, so Michael, Paul, and I showed up. We met John. He knew we were coming. And when we went into the place where he worked, it's where they trained all the pilots. <clears throat> and we, each one of us, were permitted to go into a flight simulator and to fly. And so the four of us, John, Paul, Michael, and I got into one of the flight simulators, and it was like the cockpit of a plane. They were absolutely million. Each one of multi-million dollars of, you know, just, you know, making it look so real, feeling every, everything, the knobs, the buttons, the lights, everything. Very, very real. Amazing. So we're all in there on September 3rd, between 2 and 3 a.m., and I remember Paul Schumann, <clears throat> I shouldn't tell his last name, Paul was flying first out of the Bay Area, because that's where he was born and raised, in Benicia. And so he got behind there, and uh, John had told us all what we needed to do, and he gets on there, and he has the, the, the headphones on, and he's hitting the buttons, and we, he's taking off, and we're all going. It's like really weird how it makes you feel like you're going, and he's flying, and he's doing his thing. Had a blast. He landed. Uh, Michael was next, and he was uh, he lived in Hawaii, so he took off out of one of the airports in Hawaii, and he was flying all over Hawaiian islands and doing his thing, banking left, you know, doing all this stuff. Phenomenal. It was my turn, and we're about oh, I guess at this one around 3 a.m. in the morning. I was born in Jersey City, New Jersey. 
And so I took the airplane and I flew out of Newark, New Jersey. And I remember taking off and you're flying it and it's pretty incredible. And I remember going over Jersey City and then going over the Hudson River after Hoboken, Jersey City, Hoboken, the Hudson River, and then flying into New York and going north to Central Park. And I remember flying around Central Park and then I made a turn and I was going directly south and I saw the Twin Towers standing just like this and I'm flying toward the Twin Towers and I got bored on September 3rd, 2001. It was late in the morning and I just was doing this thing and I got bored and I just kind of got giddy and I took my airplane and I went directly for the Twin Towers and I flew into the Twin Towers on September 3rd, 2001 in a United Airlines multi-million dollar flight simulator. I laughed, ha ha ha, we were all done. We had all done our part. We went home, we went to sleep. We made our trip back to California. And a few days later, on 9-11-2001, after I went that Monday and ministered the word up in Upland, California, the next day, 9.30, wake it up or so, all of a sudden, I'm watching the news of the Twin Towers being struck by airplanes. And it was a very, I remember feeling kind of, you know, emptied out, drained out, long night last, the night before, you know, all this stuff. And there was about an hour and a half drive both ways, um, one way and then back another way, another hour and a half. And I remember just watching. And all of a sudden, it's dawning on me, airplanes just flew into the Twin Towers. I just did that eight days ago, joking around. And one of the things I did, there was a prophecy out at that time by two brothers. You might remember them. They were the Hofstees, Scott Hofstee and another brother. They had been prophesying some pretty major calamities that were coming. And uh, just days earlier, they had brought a prophetic word about New York and uh, Washington, D.C., and Los Angeles, and some other places. And I was on radio also at, uh, where was I? It was in uh, La Jolla, California. I think it was K Bright. No, that's KBRT. That was uh, in Los Angeles. It was K something. Uh, I was in La Jolla on AM radio. And I remember going down to the station, bringing the prophecy, going to the, the director of the radio station. And I don't know why. Uh, I'll remember it here in just a second. First time I was on radio, and we had our own program every Saturday morning. And I remember going in saying, hey, look, this was prophetic. These guys have written it out. And um, I remember getting in my car, and this is all dawning on me that day, 9-11. And I remember thinking, how is this possible? You know, I was just in an airplane, a simulator, eight days ago, and I flew my plane with three other witnesses into the Twin Towers. And then it just happened. I said, what is that? And I remember the Lord speaking to my heart, and he said, I'm talking all the time. Very few people are listening. And he said, I want you to start paying attention to everything you do, every little joke, every little comment you make, your giddiness, and you do silly things, I want you to start paying attention. I personally now, all these years later, believe that that was the commission to becoming a watchman on the wall, 
I grew up in a ministry where we read Ezekiel 33 every single time we gathered together in the weekends. It was the call of a watchman. And so there was something, you know, in the DNA of our calling that God said, I'm bringing you to watch now. And on 9-11-2001, I remember being commissioned to watch and to listen. And I remember uh, I had been writing a lot since then, and I kept writing, 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 and being very watchful and listening to things that come out of my mouth and all these different things. That's where I was. That's what happened to me. And that's what I've been doing now for 20 years, watching, 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 you know, speed wobbles along the way, going 300 miles an hour around a, mountain, a winding mountain. You can't afford to make mistakes. You could wipe out pretty bad. Uh, you know, we've had our experiences as we've gone, always intentionally to serve the Lord, always right in our heart as far as our agenda has been. It's been right before the Lord. God's kept us. And since that time, he's shown us some incredible things that have come to pass as well. That's where I was. That's what happened to my life. And for 20 years, I've been watching. Where were you? What happened to you? If you were to remember 9-11, and what has it meant to you? See, to me, it was a spiritual call. Earthly event, something that happened to me that I don't know how many other people were flying airplanes into the Twin Towers uh, eight days earlier. I don't know. I'm not taking records. How many people actually experienced doing that? I know I did. And so to me, it was a spiritual dynamic that changed my life into a calling of doing some things. And what about you? What about you? Where were you? I want to go into our chat room right now and say good morning to a few people that are out there. And I want to start with saying good morning to Melissa Fletcher, who will be here in just short of 10 days now. Uh, good morning, blessings to all my brothers and sisters in Christ. Pastor Melissa is going to become sharing the word of God for the Feast of Tabernacles. Good morning to you, Melissa. Uh, Charlotte Gotch, I want to say thank you for your gift to this ministry. God bless you. May the Lord multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness according to his word. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh, Kevin Hauger is giving a good morning this morning. Thank you, Kevin. God bless you. Autumn Nichols, Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? They had spiritual power but did not know Jesus. Very true. We talk about that very much. Or they tapped into spiritual power but didn't know Christ Jesus. I agree that is something that can be done. Uh, but when we tap into the spirit of God, we're tapping into his nature as well. And we're sharers with the nature of the Father. That's always the primary part of, the, uh, of our understanding there. Uh, see, Gala Lawrence, it's a template, a precursor. Yeah, for the last 20 years of what's coming down the pike, absolutely. And if the footmen have wearied us, Gala, what will we do when the horsemen come, right? Uh, Pastor Jeff Bass, good morning, Pastor Vincent. I am in agreement that today is the day before disaster. I am in prayer. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Jeff. Maybe we can talk in a little bit. Uh, Diana Lankford, living in Tennessee, on my way to one of my offices in Jackson, Tennessee. I normally did not have radio on, but I did that morning. The feeling was a feeling never had before America being attacked. So Diana's going back to 9-11. She was on her way to work. She heard this. And so the feelings must have been just overwhelming and all that was going on. Thank you for sharing, Diana. Uh, Shirley Wolseley, I was on my way to doctor on I-40. I was in disbelief, prayed at the doctor's office, 
When I left there, I heard of the second plane. I was numb and thought, how could someone be so mean and uncaring and without love? Reality struck me. We were attacked by evil. Certainly were. Um, Now, uh, thank you for sharing, Shirley. Uh, Diana, awesome, Pastor. Yeah, it was a pretty awesome experience for me. Gala says, I believe this is a good time for the body to study and teach what the mark is and who the beast is. This isn't the mark of the beast, but it is a useful tool to demonstrate plausibility to those who say the government would never do that or people would never fall for that. It's very well said. I happen to really agree, and we're all watching very carefully as to how things are going, but certainly if we're not learning from this, hmm, we have a lot to learn. So waiting for your comments, and I want to welcome everybody into the broadcast it is 9-10-2021. We are a day away from remembering something that happened. It's like a Pearl Harbor event, December 7th. Everybody remembered since, you know, this great event happened in Pearl Harbor. And now we have a new rememory. And the question is, what really did happen? Who was really behind all of these things? Our nation was divided on who was behind it. Was it Al-Qaeda or was it our own government? Was it an inside job? Was it an outside? This became part of the beginning of the division within our nation. These kind of events really started to tear at the fabric of our society, which had already been torn at by all the licentious, godless laws that were being promoted in our society and the shedding of innocent blood. I mean, there was a tearing at the fabric for quite some time leading up to the 9-11 event, which really ripped uh, our society. And there was a big tear. And as you know, since that time in the last 20 years, we have been ripped in half. We are no longer a one united nation. We are so divided. So we understand the biblical principle, a divided house cannot stand. So we know that the fall of America is come. It is here. And the people that are doing it are so wicked and foolish, we ought to just, you know, give them a whack. Uh, But nobody seems to be doing that. Um, But we'll take it on. Let's see. I believe, let's see, Jeff Bass, Pastor Jeff says on 9-11, I was working six miles from the Pentagon. And actually, we heard the impact of of the plane hitting the Pentagon, and it literally shook our building. Wow, what a memory flash that was, Pastor Jeff. Six miles from the Pentagon. And then you had your first heroes, of course, going through Pennsylvania that fought the terrorists that were going to fly into other buildings. Uh, Then they said the plane hit the building at the Pentagon, and yet there was no evidence of a plane, they said. And there was, you know, it was a strange crime scene. Again, questions begin to rise in the minds of Americans. All right, what about you? Where were you? What was happening in your world on 9-11? How did it impact you? Did it impact you? How did it affect you? Did it affect you? Waiting for your question or comment. You could call. You could talk to us online at 818-369-0326. 818-369-0326 is the number to call. Uh, now, regardless of any further commentary, uh, today is Friday. We will not be back on the air until next Tuesday. And that will be our final week of preparation for the Feast of Tabernacles that will begin the following Monday. And so we are continuing to prepare and make ready for the great Feast of Tabernacles. And we're going to see how things go in these next several days. 
Uh, I am confident God's going to have his Feast of Tabernacles. It's going to be celebrated around the world, regardless of what's going on in this world. I do believe that we will be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is an opportunity for people to get strategically downloaded with an equipping uh, to be able to navigate through the times that we're living in. I do believe that the next five months are probably going to be the most severe months that the world has ever known. That's my personal opinion. It's what I believe. Okay, I guess it's more than an opinion. I, it's what I believe. It's what I see in the spirit, the potential for the next five months to be the most serious months that we've ever known, honest, in this nation. Um, Pastor Jeff said, I thought it was a train wreck because our building was next to train tracks. I immediately left and went to pick up my four-year-old son from school and met with D and W, and we drove home. Yeah, amazing, huh? And what was going on in your mind at that time? It's probably a real memory check as well. All right, so with that being said, I want to bring into the broadcast, we have a call coming in from area code 479-321, and let me just say good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I want to digress <laughs> just a little bit. You were talking okay. in Revelation thirteen seven, the power to overcome the saints. Yes. But uh, what I noticed, what was not said, what was not said was all the saints. In other words, not the ecclesia. Am I right? Uh, or How do you feel about that? Yeah, I have a little different uh, take on that. I think that during the three and a half year Great Tribulation, the overcoming of the saints is basically going to mean that there's going to be no restraint uh, to hold back any purpose of the Antichrist kingdom. And I believe that's what's going to create the greatest tribulation in the face of the earth. I do believe overcomers will exist in the world. I know that there will be a woman in the wilderness. I know that there will be a preservation of overcomers. There will be people that are out in the mountains of Judea if you live in Jerusalem. There will be refuge cities everywhere uh, and, and places and pockets of people. And the majority of believers, according to Revelation chapter 7, will be going into the great tribulation. And that means that Christians around the world, believers around the world, will experience a great persecution. But there won't be any resistance against the devil and his satanic kingdom for that period of time. It's how I read the scriptures. That's what I see in it. It's not that the saints will be overcome in the sense of um, they will uh, be falling away or necessarily martyred or persecuted. There will be an overcoming people, but they will be in secret places uh, riding out the storm like Isaiah chapter 26, I think, 20, enter into your chamber, shut the door until the indignation be overpassed. So that's my take on it. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, Well, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pack my bags. Yeah, that's a good time to do it. Pack your bags, 5781. Great thought, which we could talk about that a little bit more. Amen, brother. God bless you. Thank you, Phil, for your call. Take care. All right, thank you. All right, let's take our next call coming in from area code 605-695. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good Good morning, Vincent. Hello, Um, Ken. How are you? I'm I'm good. Looking forward to being down there. Um, okay, when I look back 
it ends up, I had just retired prior to this happening, and <clears throat> we were at our daughter's place in northern Minnesota, and my wife woke me, and she ended up, she says, I know you worked late last night, but she says, I, you've you got to know this. Planes just hit the towers in New York City. And I ended up, I thought to myself, I was building a swing set for our grandkids at the time. And I thought to myself, life is never going to be the same for me as well as my grandchildren. That's what hit me at that time when I heard that. Wow. Wow. And what do you think? Has life been the same or how, how has it worked out for you? It turns out that as far as I believe that at that time it drew a lot of people closer back to the Lord and the churches were full and this and that. And six months later, six weeks later, it started dwindling and it continued to go right back to what it was before. Yeah. And boy, is it different now, isn't it, Ken? Well, and it turns out that what is happening right now is is Biden is not talking like a president. Biden is talking like a dictator. And it turns out that dictators tell you what to do. Presidents end up, they lead you and into righteousness and for the people. My concern back then when I was building the swing set, when the towers went down, was not necessarily for myself but for the souls as well as for our grandchildren. Now that feeling is still there. I still have the concern for my grandchildren, and I still have the concern for souls. And a lot of the churches right now are failing, and a lot of the people are ending up, they are following their supposedly their leader and listening to the dictator-type instructions and going farther and farther away from God. If you're, hey, anything can only have one head. So you end up, you have a business, you have a organization, you have a spiritual life. And if you're going to listen to both God and man, you are a freak, just like a two-headed whatever. And so you cannot run a business with two heads. You cannot end up run a country where you end up are a dictator if it's supposed to supposedly be in a free country. Yeah, we just heard years of accusation against Donald J. Trump being a dictator, and he would have never done that type of thing if he was an independent president. Uh, somebody's got the mind of Joe Biden and obviously Barack Hussein Obama uh, is on video saying he wished he could be in his sweats in his basement and have a front man that he speak through. Well, he's got his puppet. There's no doubt about it. And whoever's speaking of Barack Hussein Obama has got, you know, so it's all this satanically inspired stuff, and it certainly is moving fast forward. It certainly is. Well, and to be truthful, we have no idea. Um, we have ideas, but we have no idea as far as who is behind all of this. Um, and, uh, so, I mean, Biden, yes, he's sitting in that chair or hiding in that basement or whatever you want to call it, but uh, we know that he is not the leader and we know the people above him are not the leader 
it's something bigger. And for about the last eight plus years, I have felt that there is something going on in the swamp, and it turns out people are listening to um, what's going on rather than ending up. Hang on just a minute. Okay, I'm back. Um, it turns out that people are <clears throat> listening to too many um, drummers, I guess I would say, because of the fact that the churches, some of them are preaching it, but most people aren't listening to it. The other churches maybe are still filling their their pews or their chairs, but they're not preaching it as far as they end up um, I've gone to churches, and my, I mean, my ears have been tickled enough. I don't need to hear that crap all over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Woof, okay. The sentiment is I, out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I ended up, I get a little, little emotional. I get yeah. a little emotion when I start talking about some of that stuff. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts, Ken. <laughs> Um, yep, the sentiment is out. And uh, Amen. praise the Lord. God bless you, my friend. Look forward to seeing you for the Feast of Tabernacles. And praise God bless God, you. I look forward to it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Amen. Bye-bye. Amen. You're welcome. All right, we have uh, another call coming in right now. Let's get to this. 571-419. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Pastor Jeff. Hey, Pastor Jeff, I want you to hold tight for just a moment because I know you've got some serious comments you're going to be making here in just a moment. I want to bring in another caller. Our friend Bill is out there today. I want him to share just a little bit about what's in his heart. Stay with me. You're on the line. Uh, And we're going to say good morning to our 479 number, 586. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, Pastor Jeff. How are you guys this morning? We are doing good, and I'm going to put Pastor Jeff back off the mute. So, Pastor Jeff, you got a good morning to you today. Yeah, good morning. How are you doing, sir? You're doing well. Uh, I want, I want uh, the guy that's occupying the White House made a, made a little deal the other day, a little edict or an executive order, which is not a law, and, and about, you know, the, the, the government employees and about companies that have over 100 people and all that. And, and, then, and then Commander Kamala... Uh, uh, the, the, the female version of the person op- occupying the White House uh, made, made, made the comment that, well, government really shouldn't be telling private businesses what to do. So ba- basically, the, she, she's saying the opposite of what he's saying, uh, but, but because there's a division there. We know a house divided cannot stand, and, and, and she's trying to win both sides. But they both know that at least – uh, a, a third to a half of their base has left them because of all this, these mandates and all that. When you start taking money out of people's wallets and start enforcing draconian rules upon them, all of a sudden their politics will tend to change or, or they'll throw their politics out the window. And so I believe the reason that he's stepping forward, and maybe Pastor Jeff can speak into this, but I believe the reason he's stepping forward with this uh, executive order is because he knows that a, that a, a large majority of Americans are going to say enough, and 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 when they rise up, that'll give them an opportunity to create 
or, or present us with a false flag event that they will blame on the right and say, see, it's their fault, those unvaccinated people, you know, we need to take care of them. And, and, and so, you know, number one, when you take money or put draconian rules on people, it changes their thoughts. But then when a false flag event happens and people start dying, now all of a sudden their thoughts are going in a different direction, see? And so, and so the, 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 the master of confusion is who's behind all of this. The, the satanic cabal or the globalists that are running this whole thing, they're the ones that are behind it all. But I believe, Pastor, with all my heart, I'm going to step out on a limb. I believe with all my heart that, that, that you're going to see an uprising because of this, and they're going to create a false flag event, and they're going to blame it on the right or the unvaxxed, right, to push more draconian laws. And, and what you see in Australia is coming to America quickly. <clears throat> Absolutely. You know, I have no disagreement with that whatsoever. Uh, Pastor Jeff, your thoughts about what you just heard? Nothing is spot on. Uh, you and I had a conversation, uh, I think it was yesterday, and I was telling uh, for the gentleman there, Bill, I was telling um, Pastor Vincent, you know, I live in the Washington, D.C. area. This is something that maybe you guys who don't live in this area don't get the local news or, or the mainstream media maybe didn't put it out. But not tomorrow, which is the 11th, but next Saturday, the 18th, there's supposed to be a, a rally here in the D.C. area, and it's supposed to be put on, as the media is saying, they're, they're calling it the, the response to the January 6th insurrection. And they came on on the local news saying, that they've already started putting the, uh, the wire fence back up around the White House and, and in certain areas, and they're expecting the right, and the, uh, they, uh, they named the Oath Keepers and the, what was the other, the Proud Boys, the Proud and Boys, they're yeah. expecting, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, that's what they said on the local, and, you know, we're, we're preparing for, for this response to the insurrection and everything, and, you know, ginning up fear and stuff like that, so... I agree with what he said. I mean, I think that's what they want. I uh, actually just sent before the show a uh, an email to Pastor Vincent uh, regarding uh, President Biden's speech yesterday. A couple of things with it. Before he even made the speech, uh, uh, Hal Turner, who who actually who did the article, was saying he got from from his intelligence that the Biden administration had already put in place like uh, where they're uh, listening online to see if people were going to revolt against what he said. And also that uh, 17 uh, Republican governors came out with tweets and everything against what he said yesterday, which you know, we all in agreement with that. But he's already, according to Turner's uh, in, intel, that they're covering their bases because they're going to use uh, the what is it, the 14th Amendment, uh, sections three and four, and, and Turner highlighted that in that email I sent you, Pastor Vincent, that um, where it gives them the right to go and remove governors based on if they try to do an insurrection. So they, they're already like trying to like chess pieces. They're already <laughs> plotting point counterpoint. 
And, so, and they're going so, after uh, they're going think, after Texas I and Florida right big. Yeah, huh? they're going after Texas and Florida real big. I, I would imagine. Exactly. Exactly. But 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 in the article, you're you're, you're absolutely right. But but in this article, every like uh, Republican governor, at least seventeen of them, the governor from Alabama, Missouri, all of them, they came out, of course, uh, against what he's you know his his mandate and what he said yesterday, but. Turner said, to, 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 uh, after that, he said, yeah, that's great. But what his intelligence is telling Turner that, I guess, Biden and were, were preparing for that because what, what his intelligence is telling him, uh, if the governors don't go along, he's going to try to invoke um, uh, an amendment in the Constitution where he can have, quote, unquote, legal right to remove them because in, in, in he's going to use that clause that they're trying to incite an insurrection. Yeah, I think that's absolutely amazing, and I'm going to put that on the calendar. And, Bill, you're out there, you're hearing this, and I, I couldn't agree. My, my visual for what I see coming down the pike, and I've been saying it for years, and I'm not changing my, my thinking in it, I believe that people are going to wake up very much through this false flag event, whatever it is, but it's 9-11 on steroids. I believe we're talking about nuclear bombs, dirty bombs being detonated in seven to 15 major cities across the United States on the same day. I see concentration camps, cities shut down, martial law, uh, famine, food shortage, you know, all the negativity that the Bible actually has predicted, uh, not just gloom and doom, you know, Hollywood dra- uh, drama, but the biblical narrative about these last days. Uh, a nation that has fought against God, a nation that blasphemes God every day, a nation that has shed the innocent blood, the nation that promotes laws that are contrary to the laws of morality and nature and nature's God. All of these things, uh, the day of accountability comes. So I suspect that there will be camps everywhere, and I think they're already sending in uh, more terrorists are coming through the border and more are being shipped in unvetted. I don't know too much about that. Bill, do you know much anything about that? The, the Afghans that are coming right now, and, and of course, our uh, uh, governor that we have in our state that uh, has no spine and has been paid off from the Chinese for a long time, uh, welcomes all these Afghan refugees. But the problem is they're not vetted, okay? And, and so let's just do simple math. They said that over 112,000 have been brought into the United States right now. Okay, they said originally they were only going to bring 30,000, but now over 112,000. Say you just take 5% of those, not 10%, just 5% of those that, that, that could be of a jihadi-type nature. Okay, look at the damage that they can do. I mean, that, they already have equivalent on munitions and everything else of, 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 of something above and beyond a third world nation. You know, they're the largest terrorist state there is now, thanks to the guy occupying the White House. This supplied them with the arms, but but uh, they're they're being sponsored by the Chinese, and and there is no doubt. People don't have to believe this, Pastor, but I've told you this for a long time, and that 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 the Chinese have at least a quarter million troops across our southern border, have over 13 bases. They have for years and years and years, and and now it's coming to fruition, and uh, and uh, they'll sponsor this. They're they're going to sponsor this. And and uh, it's going to continue. What what you just said a minute ago, we're going to see that happen uh, on on some level. And it doesn't even have to be a large level because you're going to have you're going to have this weekend 
you're going to have 85,000 stands, uh, fans in football stadiums all across the country. All across the country. You're going to have 85 to 100,000 football fans not social distancing, not wearing masks or anything like that. And, and you know, all I can tell you is that I won't be there because, you know, you know what a bullseye is. I don't like being in the center of a bullseye. And you can tell that I'm choosing my words carefully here. But I don't like being in the center of a bullseye because generally that's what they aim for. And, and, mm-hmm. and you're going to have football stadiums and all things like that uh, uh, that, 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 that are going to be packed uh, with, with people that are unaware, that, that are ignorant. And when somebody calls you ignorant, that's not an insult. All that means is you don't have all the facts. You, you don't have all the knowledge or enough knowledge to make an intelligent decision on this subject. You're going to have all these people that are ignorant in them stands, unaware of what's going on. And something's going to happen. And when it does, they're going to blame the unvaxxed right-wing people. That's what's going to happen. Well, very interesting. Pastor Jeff, any comments? I would say you're absolutely right. I mean, I've got my intel uh, being from people that you and Pat, I know, I don't know, Bill, but Pastor Vince and I have talked, and that's the Bible says out of two or three uh, uh, witnesses, let every word, you know, be established, you know. And uh, there was a pastor from Australia that just had a dream a couple of days ago that I was reading that said that uh, beware on tomorrow of, of, uh, of trains. And then uh, Steve Quayle just came out and was saying something similar, and I was awake on that four this morning when I got up, and I, when, uh, I was thinking when the pastor said about trains like Amtrak trains, but in, in the big cities, like where near where I live in D.C. and in Chicago and in and New York, you got subway trains, and here we got the uh, the underground trains. So I warned my sister this morning: if you don't have to <laughs> tomorrow, don't have to get on the metro. She says, "Well, I don't use it that much anyway, or, or I'm not using it." I said that's good, and so she wanted to get into it. I said, well, "That's okay, don't worry about it," because she doesn't know you know as much as we do about this. But I just have made her aware. I don't want to frighten her. But avoid it at all at all costs. Man, well, that's a lot of love to tell people what's going on. Uh, as you're both talking, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going back to the ten planks of communism, and one of the you know the the methods of communists were to infiltrate societies and to blend in. And you have to believe in the last <clears throat> 20 years <clears throat> since the uh, George Bush. Uh, declared a global world war on terror that these last 20 years are like 20 seconds in the economy of God, by the way. It's why they go by so fast. Um, that there have been many terrorist cells, terror cells, sleeper cells, uh, blended, you know, the opening of the door from Barack Hussein Obama's administration, uh, infiltration, jelf, uh, what do they call it, stealth, jihad. So now is the awakening. Now is the time. And it's not surprising that so many that have blended in and become like us, so to speak, or have blended in and have participated in our culture, our way, uh, something uh, Bill said is that in the depths of their heart, even though they've acted the act and they have blended so perfectly, at the heart they are jihadi. This is the wild man, which is Ishmael, biblically speaking, the Islamic world around the world, 
Uh, this is the wild man being unleashed. He was on a leash for a little bit. But uh, Joe Biden, uh, by the way, Barack Hussein Obama probably is all behind what just happened in Afghanistan because he's part of a, a Sunni Islamic reality, I'm pretty sure, and I'm not sure of the Shia or the Sunni, but uh, he has been famous for warring against other sects of Islam that were not part of his particular um, uh, place in that. So, uh, you know, these are, these are just very interesting times. And the wild man is off the leash. And what you brought up about stadiums and people that this is opening season, isn't it? This weekend is opening season for football. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, they, well, they've already started last weekend was the first week. Oh, I'm sorry. Say that again. Uh, Bill, uh, let me start with Bill. Uh, what were you saying? I said that, that uh, Pastor Jeff is correct. That They've already started it a, uh, last week with some major games, 80,000 people in stadiums, but this is the first big week nationwide for, for, for the, the, the great big weekend when this is going to happen. Correct. Pastor Jeff? Yeah. Can you hear me? I said he's absolutely right. This is the first okay. like big week, but, but, but it did start last week, but, of course, it, just what he said, you know, this is a big gotcha. week. And this is the last week was the first big week of college, but this is the first week of the NFL. Interesting. Reminds me of an old movie called Black Sunday. Hey, I've got another call coming in here. Uh, yeah, it's coming back to uh, Ken. Let me just see if he's interested in saying something. Ken, are you there from South Dakota? Hello. This time it's to me. My husband was on earlier, but. Uh, uh, Vincent, I have something to mention to you that was given to Michael Bodera, who was the grandson of Dimitri Dudeman, and God gave Michael dreams. And if people want to look this up for themselves, they can go to the Hand of Help Ministries and go into the archives of the dreams and visions that even his grandson had after uh, 9-11. And he got this in 2004. And what you were bringing out earlier goes right along with this dream that Michael received from the Lord in 2004. And he saw, I'm going to give a quick synopsis of this because I, I got a lot of his literature after we had been to Romania and they just gave me books. And two days ago, I, the Lord says, take that book and read. And, and the message that I opened up to, the eagle and the serpents, that's the dream. And it, it is about the eagle, which we know represents the symbol of America. And I just want to read this shortly because this goes right along with what you have gotten from the Lord also. And here's part of this dream he saw. He said, I was silent as I watched the eagle that had been soaring before, but was beginning to grow somewhat impatient when suddenly it seemed out of nowhere. It landed in the grass, the eagle did. This is what he said. And a brown snake lunged at the eagle and bit down on its left wing. The snake's strike was very quick and very precise. The eagle reacted without delay, clawing and picking, pecking at the snake, cutting deep wounds into its underbelly, trying to defend itself and ward off the serpent. Just as it seemed the eagle was winning the battle and the serpent was retreating, another serpent appeared. 
and this one was red and black, and it had diagonal stripes covering its body, and without hesitation, it struck at the eagle's right wing, biting down and refusing to release. After a momentary tug of the war, the serpent tore off flesh and feathers, leaving a large wound on the eagle's right wing because it had already been attacked on the on the left one, which was 9-11. Leaving a large wound on the eagle's right wing, the second bite was worse than the first, and for an instant the eagle was stunned. Then a serpent, oh God, listen to this, much larger than the previous two, made up of many collars, slithered toward the eagle, opened its jaws and lunged, taking the whole of the eagle's head in its mouth before biting down. The serpent retreated, and the man, it was an angel of the Lord that was watching this in his dream. This is what he saw. The serpents retreated, and the man who had been standing beside me walked to the eagle, knelt down, picked it up, and held it in his cupped hands. The look of grief on his face was beyond any I've seen in my life. Just seeing the look on the man's face broke your heart. The man continued to look down at the eagle and with a pained voice said, Listen to this. The true tragedy is that at any moment it could have sought the safety of the above. It could have soared toward the heavens and would have found its protection. This has been revealed the Lord said to Michael, to you that you may know the first bite has been, which is 9-11, the second is yet to come, and the third will be its destruction. Now, if people really want to read this for their own self, they need to go to the Hand to Help Ministries and find that dream that Michael had in 2004, and it's called The Eagle and the Serpents. Well said. Yes, Hand of Help, H-A-N-D, of Help, H-E-L-P. So you'll find Michael Bodea there, Hand of Help, uh, the Eagle and the Serpents. Absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, that final shot is the decapitation. It's the taking of the head. And the prophetic word of the Lord to this nation is that decapitation to Washington, D.C. will come, and it will be taken out. And there's a great strike against the heart of this nation that's at the door, and we may be in that realm right now of the prophetic word being fulfilled. And, uh, again, how many people are really awake? How many people are alert? How many people are just kind of going through, as my brother Dave said, just shaking things off? Well, there's something coming, he said, that you won't be able to shake off. And I think uh, it's, it's transpiring. You're hearing it from every direction right now. So, uh, well, well said. Kathy, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. I'll tell people about it. Uh, Bill, Pastor Jeff, anybody else have anything you'd like to share before we go? Be blessed, Pastor. I'll hang up and listen. Pastor Jeff, you be blessed. Yes, sir. You too. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Pastor Jeff, anything before we go? The only thing I wanted to say, I was calling because I wanted to to kind of quickly, I know our time is almost up, but uh, I gave you the brief part about, because your initial question, if I'm, if I'm correct, was uh, our thoughts of the, you know, of, of 9-11. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I, what I was going to say was that that mine goes back even to that Sunday because of 9-11, if I'm not mistaken, was on a Tuesday that year. And that Sunday, um, uh, Pastor D and I were, 
were or were pastoring in the area, and Dee's message was entitled "The Eve of Destruction." Oof. And uh, she talked about, believe it or not, sleeper cells and the wheat growing with the tares. <laughs> and uh, wow. at the end of that message, that that profound message, a lot of young people gave their life to Christ. And even our son, he was only like four, almost right at five. And we were so excited about it. And so on that morning of 9-11, we all were driving to work. You know, we, we you know, our son was, was, was in preschool and de worked in Roslyn, which is right probably three miles from the Pentagon. And like I told you, I worked six miles, so I would drop her off, drop our son off, and go to, go to work. And I remember that morning someone has, uh, in the office that said, man, uh, check out the news because there, there's been a plane in, in, in New York. So they, you know, they cut, cut it on, and everybody was talking about that. That's when I told you I heard the we, – uh, we felt the, the impact of the second plane or whatever hitting the Pentagon. It shook the entire building that I was working in, which was only about six miles from the Pentagon. And because we were next to a railroad track, we thought it was a train derailment or something. And, and we looked outside, and, and that hadn't happened. And then we get a call that it had hit the Pentagon. So, I, you know, I ended up going, you know, getting, you know, getting our son out of, uh, out of school and, and uh, you know, meeting Dee because she had uh, one of her coworkers that dropped her off at a location, and we all made it home. But the irony is, first, that was, that was as people I, I've heard other testimonies, uh, as we were driving in that morning, it was one of the most beautiful days that I had ever seen in the skies. It's of a beautiful day. And the second thing, the last thing was, even though we were able to get home, it took people 12, 15, 16 hours to get home because anytime anything happens in this uh, metro area, it just puts everything in the gridlock. But the other thing was the blessing was the plane that, that supposedly hit the Pentagon flew over the building that Dee was in because she was in maybe like a 14, 15-story building not far from there, and it flew over the building that day. So we just thank God that he covered us and kept us, and we just have those memories of that. And it's always something in every generation. Our son, who will be 25 this year, that's that impactful event. If we all look back over our lives, there's some impactful event or tragedy in our lives that we'll never forget. For me, it was the Kennedy assassination. I was in the first grade. For others, it's the Challenger explosion. And, and for, for my son's generation, or for him, it'll be 9-11. So those, those are my thoughts and, and memories of, of 9-11. Wow, absolutely amazing. Pastor Jeff, thanks for sharing. Um, and here we are. And we're on the eve of another night of destruction, aren't we? I mean, we're right there at the door. Yes, Everything are. is showing it. God bless you indeed. In your family. Yeah, God bless Thank you, you for sharing. You All right. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Pastor Jeff Bass with us again. Uh, hopefully he, he and Dee were going to come out and, and minister during the Feast of Tabernacles. They're still praying about that. Uh, it's been a great broadcast. I did want to share what Gayla Lawrence wrote. I was running late for, uh, for work, 30 minutes from Manhattan. Heard the report of the first plane in my mind. I assumed it was a small plane. I got to work and we watched it in the conference room. We were devastated when we realized the falling debris was actually people jumping. My mother was working at the uh, securities exchange and could see it from her office window. 
my heart breaks whenever I recall, recall that day. Uh, Jody Keen says, my friend, 35-year-old son, a teacher in Arizona, uh, told to take shot by end of year. So this is a kind of off of the 9-11 event, but this is now with the new uh, situation, taking the shot by the end of the year. He can't. He has deadly health problems from diabetes and pancreatic disease, has to quit job and still owns over or owes over 60000 in student loans. Yeah. The world is changing. When we show up on Tuesday, we'll see exactly where we are. Until we meet again, this is Pastor Vincent Xavier. Be super blessed. Remember, the heavenly perspective. Keep your head in the heavens. Set your mind on Christ. And uh, be super blessed. Right now, there's a roundtable discussion going on at www.omegaradio.org. With Patricia Joy Xavier out of her book, Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights. God bless you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.